hymns have been Noah, Olivia, or Oliver in the male and female context, Amelia and Lily. My grandmother's name was Lily. Names nowadays are really chosen because they're nice, they're in current, they're trend. But as we've heard in the biblical days, in the olden days, the name had a meaning and it said something about what God was doing, had done, or would do to the person who was given that name. And so the significance of a name, and then the even greater significance if God was ever to rename someone when uh, Jacob became Israel, it symbolized what God was going to do through him. When Abraham became, when Abram became Abraham, uh, we remember it signifies a new call of God in his life. And here in the most ordinary of scenes at the beginning, the shepherds unseen by the world uh, going about their normal day-to-day are working in the fields. And it's not the people that you would expect the God of heaven to appear to. It's not the people that you would expect the, the Lord to announce that he was appearing, he was doing, and yet he did appear. And it's a simple reminder this morning and every morning that God is not concerned with earthly ideas of power and privilege. God is concerned with all people, regardless of who we are, where we have come from. It's a reminder of how God works in the world. He starts at the bottom in a sense and he works his way up. He starts with the most normal of people, God does not call us because we have some gifts that he needs, some talents that we we carry. God calls us because he sees us. He sees us all. So regardless of who you are, of what you can do or have done or haven't done, God has something that he's calling you to do. As the shepherds here are called to go and to be the first to see the Lord, to see Jesus. So each of us are called in a way to go and to see the Lord, and then to make known the Lord. That's the transaction we see here. They leave their ordinary, the fields, they journey to be with the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, in no great splendor, in no great majesty, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God incarnate, is there lying in a manger, in the innocence of a baby. It is not a splendid scene, and yet what happens as the shepherds journey to him and journey from him, they are transformed. They go and they tell of what they have seen. They tell of what the Lord has done. And so in this scene, and there are two themes emphasized that then begin here and really extend throughout the rest of Luke's gospel. The first one that is the Messiah looks nothing like the world. Lord with us, the Savior of the world, Jesus, is not the Messiah the world is expecting. He is, not, he is the one that the people of God have been waiting on, but he, is not, he does not look like what they think he will look like. The Lord has come. The Lord is here. And the world doesn't even realize it. And secondly, uh, through, those, through the shepherds, we see through the world's eyes how they will look at him and how some will respond to him. There will be those who will bow at him and worship, and then there will be those who will reject him and despise him. They will not recognize him. It will only be the humble of the world, the outcast, those who, in a sense, know their sinfulness and their need 
of a Savior, those who understand grace. Jesus would say it later, I have not come for the powerful. A doctor comes for the sick and those in need. And that's what we see here right at the beginning. This angelic appearance is vital to our reading because it tells us something about the one who will be named. The name of Jesus we know, but its meaning in a sense is explained and expounded before it has even been given. And it tells us something about who he is and how he will lead. Luke presents a great urgency here as the shepherds in the normal of their night, working with the sheep, watching their flocks, respond with great speed to this announcement of hope. They've forgotten their sheep and they make their way into the town to find the one that they are looking for, Savior, which means deliverer. He who has been born is both Messiah and Christ, the anointed one and Lord. He has power and authority, they are told. And so they go from the fields uh, to the manger in verses 15 and 16. There's no display of doubt or misgivings. They simply hear the word of God as the angels pronounce, as heaven opens ah, and rejoices this great news, the Lord has come. And they are transfixed by the glory of what they see. They can see nothing else. They desire nothing else other than to do what they have been told, to respond to what they have been given. Because when we see the Lord, when we see clearly what God is doing for us and in us and through us, then how can we not respond? There's no force here. There's no coercion. The heaven appears in all of its beauty. The choirs of the Lord cry and sing to them, and they respond. It's the most glorious of scenes, hard for us even to comprehend, hard perhaps even for Luke to write down or to find the words. And we are given a wonderful image of what God is doing. He's calling us and what we must do. We respond to him. And where do they go? To the manger. No display of doubt or misgiving, only the assurance and trust that the Lord is good and his word is good. They find they guide, they follow, and there they arrive as though guided by the Holy Spirit, and their eyes arrive of Mary and Joseph, and their newborn infant, wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. From the glory of the heavens appearing to the sort of humility of an infant, a child in a manger. And do you know what the most wonderful thing is? It is the same display that when they look to the stars and they hear the angels cry, and when they look in the manger and see the baby lie, it is the same glory. It is the same goodness. It is the same infinity in human flesh. In fact, it's more. And as they look, they seem to recognize something of that at the at Christ child. They are overcome by what God has done just before and now they're even more overwhelmed as they see in innocence the Savior of the world who has been born so that we to die so that we might live. He is our hope. And that hope, that name, is hope in every situation. It is hope in 
every season. It is the name in a sense by which we will live this Sunday. It is the name by which we will live every Sunday. And it is the name by which as a church family, we will strive to know and to make known. And it is the name by which we will discern and decide everything. The name of Jesus is hope. And he brings hope. And everyone reacts differently to events. Don't we? You or I, if we face the same situation, you might handle one thing better, I might struggle, I might handle the next thing better, and you might struggle because we're all wired differently. We all see things slightly differently as we go to the same thing, which is why it's always fascinating when you ask two people who've been at something their, their take of it, and you might get two completely different outlines, even though they were both looking at the same thing. We're created to be different. There's no right way to respond to anything. And as our passage unfolds this morning, we see the shepherd stand before the Christ child and his parents, and we see two responses, two things that as Christians, as disciples, as those who look at Jesus and respond to him, we're called to do. We see their response, they respond in worship, and then they share, they tell of what they have seen, of what the Lord has done. And we are given, noted clearly, the response of Mary, who acts differently. What is it we're told? She takes these things and she treasures them in her heart. And yet, here, both are right. The angels have announced the Savior has been born. The Messiah has entered into the world. The shepherds have witnessed and believed. And now, in a sense, they take the place of the angels. It was the angels who appeared and cried holy and sang and told of what the Lord was doing. And now, what are we told in verses 16 and 17? The shepherds begin to tell of all that the Lord has done to whoever will hear them, to whoever is there. They want to make known, they want to tell of this baby lying in a manger. It's a wonderful scene. The, the work of heaven has been replaced by the hands of human shepherds. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 17. And all who heard it, all who heard it, Luke says, not some, not a few, but all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Such must have been the change in these men. Such must have been the transformation by what they experienced, by what they've seen, by what the Lord has done, that their words carried weight. <laughs> it's the most surreal of things to even begin to comprehend. You wonder where they started, with the angels or with the manger or perhaps a confusion of in-between. But what is remembered is the transformation in them. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You see, when we encounter Jesus, when we meet him and come to him in faith, we are transformed. We are made new. That is what it means to come to faith. That is what all those big words, sanctification, transformed. We are 
made into something. And it's not just that we are forgiven, which is the most beautiful thing. It's not just that we are made his disciples. There is something about us that the world should notice. Again, we said often, you will not remember many sermons, but all of us can remember that Sunday school teacher, that parent or friend or a family member whose faith was real and deep. And when we looked at them, we saw something different. What did we see? The Lord at work in their lives. And that's what we're picturing here in verses 18 and 19. As they meet Jesus, they are transformed. And as they've come, now they go back to the normal of their fields, but they go back different. They share of what the Lord has done in them and through them and with them. It's a beautiful moment as normal men display a simple faith, a faith value. They have taken what the Lord has said to them to be true. They have responded to it, and now they share about it. And I challenge myself when I ask this. I wonder when the last time was that we talked to someone about Jesus, when we felt comfortable enough or perhaps overwhelmed enough with what the Lord has done for us to simply offer that hope to family, to friends, or perhaps to strangers. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be a 10-week course. It can simply be at a moment of discomfort that we bring the comfort of Christ in prayer and fellowship and see what the Lord has done. It's a beautiful scene. They respond by telling, uh, because our faith is a simple one. It affects each of us differently, but it should affect all of us in the same way as we are brought to the Lord by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit brings us out back to where God has called us to be, not just to quietly live, but to be light amid darkness and to tell of all that the Lord has done. Then verse 19, we move from the shepherds to Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's been affected by all the events that have been going on. We forget her journey at this moment, don't we? That there already the angel of the Lord has appeared to her in complete innocence and told her that she will carry the Son of God to birth. And what does she respond? May it be, Lord, according to your will, and she has navigated all of the cultural pressures of being pregnant but not married. I wonder what those conversations must have been like as her and Joseph sought to stay together and stay true and hold fast to what the Lord had said to them he was doing. As the birth had happened and there perhaps Mary wondered, is it true? And then from nowhere, shepherds appear saying to her and to Joseph, if he was there, the Lord has appeared to us and has announced to us the Savior of the world. Mary's journey so far had been validated by what they had witnessed and what they had said to her. Her faithfulness had been rewarded in a sense. They did not come to judge her. They did not come to condemn her. They come to recognize the fruit of her faith as she sought and carried Jesus. And now, there in a manger. She is reminded of what God has done and what God is going to do. 
and what God is doing today. Mary displays for us an even deeper reaction, an even more considered approach as she takes stock of everything that happened. She meditates seriously on all that has just been, not just with the sense of the moment, but the significance of everything God has been doing in her life. And what does she say? We're told she treasures, she ponders these things in her heart. We're all made differently. Our faith and its outworking looks different. And that's a wonderful thing. The body of Christ is diverse. It is broad. We bring, you bring one skill, I bring another. And so we come together as one body with one Lord, with one purpose, to know him and to make him known. And here we see the difference in that sense between the shepherds and Mary. And there will be moments for each of us when we are to be like the shepherds, we're to respond in the simplicity of faith and then to go in the simplicity of faith and tell of what the Lord has done. And then there are moments that 